Welcome to Reflections Podcast. In the last episode of the series, we are going to focus on why disinformation and conspiracy theories are threats to scientific community, including to students and their research process. I am Aneta Stempien, your host, and my guests today are Rachel Seaman and Jack Madden, second-year students at Maynard University. Together, we are going to talk about the importance of critical reflection while dealing with information and discuss research strategies and attitudes which can protect students from falling victim of disinformation, uh, which are very important research skills. So hello, Rachel and Jack. Hi. Hi, Nita. Thank you for having us. Thank you for accepting the invitation and agreeing to participate in this project. Your presence is really enriching our experience. So thanks for agreeing to, to be here. In the earlier podcast, but also through our discussion while working on this project, we have established that there are certain areas of public life where this information thrives. Would you be able to sum them up? Yeah, it seems that disinformation sort of pops up in, you know, politics a lot, especially around election campaigns. Um, it circulates on social media easily, especially in relation to, you know, certain celebrities or public figures around maybe more scientific issues. There's debate like the climate, climate change, climate crisis, and in technology. Um, I suppose, you know, we saw recently with 5G and conspiracy theories around coronavirus. So that seems to be an area that it just circulates quite easily. Mm -hmm. That's that's great, uh, Rachel, that you also mentioned the, the COVID-19. Obviously, we see intensified uh, disinformation campaigns in relation to that. And I want you to think for a moment why these particular subjects uh, attract uh, these uh, information campaigns and, and uh, fake information. But first, let me read you a quote from a scientific publication uh, from uh, published in 2020, which is titled Science Denial and COVID Conspiracy Theories. So that's a quote. Low science literacy contributes to denial of science. The relationship between anti-science viewpoints and low science literacy underscores new findings regarding the brain mechanisms that form and maintain false beliefs. The role of social media echo chambers is they amplify these theories, reinforcing false beliefs and discouraging people from seeking the truth. What would be your comments to this? Um, I would say um, scientific knowledge is not always easily accessible. When people don't have the basic knowledge about an issue, they may prefer easy, acceptable lies. The complexity of scientific explanations can make them distrust scientific sources, especially when simpler explanations are so relatable. When things that are threatening, like climate change or COVID-19, it's hard to believe something where a direct impact on our lives may not be obvious or visible like the Australian bus fires. People consume opinion as much as fact with blurring of the two Mm -hmm. This is really good, especially the last comment about blurring of the lines be between what is opinion and what is a fact, uh, which, which we see a lot on social media. So this is really interesting what you, uh, Jack, just what you just said, uh, because as students, you know, uh, 
well that in college, we value and promote evidence-based research. And what you described, Jack, can be actually summed up as um, the valuing scientific knowledge, which obviously threatens uh, and undermines the scientific community. And in a way, the process of knowledge production, which is fact-based, evidence-based, and it's very rigorous and it takes a lot of time. And indeed, in science, we celebrate the variety of perspectives. You as students know, uh, because we uh, really pressurized you last year on coming up with different hypotheses. So we value, you know, uh, different explanations of things, various hypotheses, while actually conspiracy theorists tend towards an ultimate explanation or one explanation and they don't not allow any alternative explanation so so it's kind of negation of 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 really what we value in scientific community and how knowledge is built is built on kind of bouncing the ideas against each other but we know that the problems like climate change or covid or even production of vaccination uh, these are very complex issues you know for which there are no simple answers 100%. I think the threat disinformation poses to the academic community is people beginning to distrust all sources of information. Despite credible sources proving the research, conspiracy theories question researchers suggesting they try to harm people in some way by hiding information and technological advances. So this is obviously spreading to the academic and research level. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, during the process of their study or research students are also at at risk of being exposed to biased, non-reliable sources when they lack skills or are simply not alerted to fake information. Mm-hmm. Googling research now to get different opinions can no longer be as easy, as most articles now seem to focus more on attention-seeking and entertainment than news and research. Yeah, I, I agree, Jack. And last week, I was actually listening to RTE1, a program on deep fake, which is topical now. And it was discussing actually the famous TikTok video of Tom Cruise. Basically, the program was about kind of covering the story, but also touching upon some deeper issues. That video is showing that we pass through a threshold where we can actually distinguish between what is real and what is not real. So, you know, it's almost like a breakthrough. But interestingly, in that program, the video was shown to someone who is dealing with uh, disinformation, who knows about the subject, and they immediately were able to spot that there was something not right about the video. It's something about the content, some technical glitches. So my point with this is to say that with education and constant self-education and engaging with that topic, This is perhaps the only way to be able to develop that healthy skepticism towards the content online um, and to be able to call out bullshit. Uh, This is something that we can even use and think of as a concept. Calling out bullshit is actually a good concept to think about as an ability to deal with disinformation or, or fake news. Just check your sources and claims. And I remember, Rachel, when when we were chatting, you mentioned that the knowledge that you gained during uh, during your first year on how to distinguish between different types of sources uh, really helps you in your research. It really proves to be very useful. So could you could you talk uh, about that 
yeah um i i learned a lot in in the critical skills course um but particularly around how to develop a research process that's reliable for it's for your benefit it's so that the work you're producing is is good so I learned that searching on Google Scholar or by using the university library search, it's the safest and kind of the easiest option to ensure that you're not being exposed to disinformation. You know, by using scholarly peer reviewed articles, you know for sure that your points are supported with information that isn't biased. Um, critical skills we looked at identifying those credible sources. Um, we looked at how scientific papers, academic papers are produced and how that rigorous process is there to protect you from fake news, from disinformation, that there's no space for fake information to sort of slip through the cracks into those pieces that you then read when you search on, on Google Scholar or with your university library. So Quite often I'll begin my research process, maybe browsing on YouTube or just online generally to get a direction I want to go in. But the places where I really gain information on the topic, I, I kind of move towards the more reliable platforms and towards scholarly writings and publications. Um, but I definitely, I know that there, I have friends that didn't do critical skills in first year and they find that process much more difficult. They find it hard to you know pick and choose what's credible what's reliable which sources should i use and quite often it's easy to slip into those echo chambers to decide on your idea and find sources to support it rather than doing your research more generally um mm -hmm. but it can be it can be a really confusing area and trying to research without any understanding of how to refine your search or how to determine between sources, it can be really challenging to do. Mm -hmm. um, and could you maybe briefly explain what type of sources or tier sources are there? We learned about, you know, your tier one scholarly article. Um, it's peer reviewed. It's a peer reviewed publication. It's the kind of thing you find by searching on Google Scholar on your library search. Mm -hmm. And then you move to two, tier two credible non-academic sources like governmental reports websites uh, then tier three you've sort of credible newspapers and websites they maybe have a good reputation for being well checked but they aren't they don't go, go through the same peer review uh, process as you see with other sort of scholarly mm -hmm. uh, articles and then tier four is more uncertain pieces maybe you know they're, they could be influenced by someone's particular bias or by a particular agenda, mm -hmm. uh, kind of like blogs or random websites. That is actually really useful to know. Uh, hopefully our listeners will also find that. And I, I think, I don't know if you agree, but would you assign social media into that fourth tier? Yeah, thinking I, about the fact that, you know, they use algorithms, obviously they, they care about how many people are viewing their websites and how many people are reading the news. Yeah, and I think as well, there's sort of a, a big time difference. The information you get through social media is quite often, there's a quick turnaround. It's uh, whether it's journalism through videos or articles that are kind of trying to clickbait and get people to to read their articles they're they're not focusing on the quality of their information they're sort of 
stuck on focusing on views and clicks, whereas, you know, the time that then goes into something like a scholarly article is uh, 10 times more than that. It's looked at multi- looked at by multiple people and it can take a really long time to, mm-hmm. to fact check. So I think it's definitely things you might see on social media circulating is it's far away from that tier one source that you're trying to look for for your research Mm -hmm. so um, I think I think your comments going back to what you said about you know how you could see the difference between you uh, taking obviously a course which focused on developing some research skills and your peers who didn't take such course I think it raises an important point about different levels of information literacy that exist in students and in people generally. Uh, What do you think the consequence of of that might be that, you know, we we do have different levels of literacy? Um, Well, I think like with anything, something is easier to do if you if you understand it and and you kind of know what you're trying to do. So if you don't have that basic knowledge of what different tiers are, what kind of articles are better than others, you know, that effort and all the reading and searching involved in thorough research, it's it's too much for for some people. And especially if you don't have something like critical skills to sort of point you in the right direction. Um, people can turn to platform where the scientific knowledge or facts has been adapted or simplified or interpreted in some way, you know, to make it more accessible. But the risk with that is that there may be a new agenda behind it. Um, or the information might be presented in a different way that kind of leads you to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. I think we we looked uh, in one of our courses at spurious correlations. So obviously these are scatter plots graphs which show one thing influencing the other, where they only look like that, but we know this is this is not the case. Uh, but they can be easily manipulated and presented as actually two things influencing each other. I remember one of such spurious correlations, which was uh, quite hilarious. It, it showed that there's a relation between uh, organic food and autism. <laughs> so because it, it looked like there was an increase in cases on, of autism, which correlated with the increase of uh, the consumption of organic food, which obviously is uh, is is false but we have to be wary uh, about that uh, that even scientific data can be manipulated and i think you touched upon doing research shortcuts so something is too complex let's just find something simplified uh, so looking for sources we might end up looking for sources anywhere on the internet and when students do that they can easily fall into that trap of coming across fake information uh, and of course, the expectations of the students are that they will not make such shortcuts since university is the center of knowledge production. And as you enter university, you are you are becoming young scholars and you are not only consuming knowledge, but you are also uh, producing knowledge. So you're contributing to knowledge production. And uh, would you agree that there is greater obligation on students to be proactive in tackling this information, or perhaps that there is some kind of responsibility on you as those people in that center of knowledge, of scholarship, to inform yourself a bit more on and engage with that issue more than the rest of the society. You know, um, I would agree because students turn over the topic of fake news 
a student must be prepared to question their own reality and to delve deep into multiple topics like racism, sexism, oppression, manipulation, and many more that become intertwined with fake news. Therefore, I would say it's not a student's obligation in tackling misinformation, but an obligation as a person, as a good citizen. Students need time to learn all the skills they can, the most important skill being that of how to be a student. When tackling topics, topics like fake news, it is a constant battle of learning and being able to endure. The process of constantly learning is a battle of repeatedly losing and winning. Misinformation and fake news will continue to evolve. Therefore, the best way to tackle it is to realize that knowledge and learning should not end after your graduation. Mm -hmm. You know, I really like that you said, you know, the students have to kind of question their own reality. But and you mentioned certain topics like racism and sexism. Why these particular topics? I think these topics are so innately part of us. Like it's either like you might experience it, like someone might experience it more than you, but you need to like take the time to learn to understand like where someone else is coming from. And when you don't understand, fake news can get in there and it can like manipulate what you think. And mm -hmm. then that can affect how you approach other people or speak to them and engage with them. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you can say that there's, there's a, a responsibility to to become aware of things and, and deepen our knowledge of, of things that might not affect us directly, as we mentioned earlier with, you know, climate change or even COVID. Lots of people are not affected by COVID and they think it's an invisible virus. We cannot see it. How do we know it exists, right? Rachel, what would you answer uh, to that question be? Is there an obligation on students? Um, yeah, I think I, I, pre I agree with with Jack completely, I think sort of an unexpected aspect of university and of education is how often you do have to face yourself and your own opinions and thoughts and biases. Um, but I remember at the beginning of my first semester a lecture saying, and it sort of always stayed with me that, you know, a college education and all those, all the sources that are made available to you through the library and, you know, through just through your university education it's a huge privilege and um it's sort of that that idea has stuck with me that it is a huge privilege and it's a privileged position to be in to have all this information available to you and i think being in that position it is kind of my job and as a student it's our job to to navigate to learn how to navigate it and to use it well and use it properly that that sounds really great I, I hope that other students will get as enthusiastic at gathering knowledge and that kind of responsibility, but also privilege. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing these really insightful comments. And I think we can conclude our discussion by saying that the, the critical approach, the critical attitude that we develop towards the content online combined with a set of hard skills like research skills and some fact-checking tools are really a powerful weapon or armor to help us to protect ourselves from uh, this information. The more we know, the more we can also take action. I don't know if you agree that we can, you know, argue with someone or, or be able to point out to someone that they are saying something that is not fact-based or it might come from the point of their bias, which is unchecked. Um, there's definitely been a change from first year to where we are now in, I think people were sort of bursting with their own ideas um, at the beginning of first year, kind of wanting to share their opinion and being met by lecturers who, you know, you're not just being told you're wrong, but you're 
you're kind of it's being explained to you well how do you know that and where does that information come from and it makes you sort of like I said before really just face yourself and say okay where am I getting this idea or information from um I think we could end the podcast by offering a toolkit but a, but a different one than you can find on many websites usually within libraries of uh, colleges and universities, which kind of offer the, the, the basic toolkit, check the image, check the authorship, uh, you know, uh, the title and, and so on and so on. But I, I actually would like us to think about toolkit, which takes into consideration what we discussed in the podcast today, but also in the previous podcast. So to kind of summarize uh, these ideas and show them in a more practical way. So what uh, actually are these good attitudes that uh, we could develop to improve our literacy with uh, dealing with online sources? Um, So the first point uh, I was thinking about uh, listening to you today was do your search using safe platforms like your university libraries or Google Scholar when you are searching. And I, I really like that in one of your assigned readings in the first year, Uh, which is Writing in College by Amy Gaptail, she actually says to think about the library search as problem solving. So you are staying in that safe zone that that you, Rachel, were talking about. And what would other advice be? Yeah, the advice I would give is don't be afraid to make mistakes, especially when you're starting out. Like even with the library search, like it's a good source, but you're going to take time to get used to it. And especially with the information landscape, the way it is, we it's constantly changing. You can see that over and over, even over the last year with COVID and everything moving online. So you have to give yourself time to make these mistakes and refine your own process. And But we're saying that you have to be also careful that you don't fall into your echo chambers and that your own opinion doesn't just bounce around your own mind. You have to get information and sources, even from friends, family, other students, and just kind of see where they're coming from and bounce off your own thinking and chip away at your own process and mold it together. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad, Jack, that you mentioned uh, Echo Chamber, which was our discussion in the in the second podcast. So I'm really happy that you reminded our listeners that we have to check if, if we're not staying in our own bubble and where we usually access the information. Any other advice based on what we discussed today or the pre- in the previous podcasts? I completely agree with what Jack's saying that you you have to not be afraid to make those mistakes but a good way to sort of guide yourself through the mistakes is having you know familiarizing yourself with the different tiers the different types of sources that are out there so that you feel more comfortable yourself navigating them and and knowing what's what's been fact checked for you and what you might need to look in into a bit more Yes, and thank you, Rachel, for introducing the definitions of different tier sources for us. It's it's really helpful. And obviously, we talked about a, a social media landscape as well. So this is also something to, to be wary about, yes? Yeah, and I think what you said as well, that it's not just about sort of research steps. It's about a research attitude that um, you're kind of constantly aware that you know, there is biases in what people are saying, whether it's in, you know, when you're sitting down to do your research or whether it's just something you see on Instagram or something you see in TikTok. I mean, in a digital age where so much is virtual and so much is online, it kind of is always around us in, in media. So just that attitude of being aware of it and being ready to kind of face it. 
it's not research steps, it's research attitude. Let's have it as a, a motto. Very good, Rachel. So thank you very much, Rachel and Jack, for accepting the invitation to participate in this podcast. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, our podcast leaves on the website www.criticalskills.ie where you can find all episodes of this series, extra readings and resources on this information, including a section on how to get involved in fighting this information if anyone is interested. This podcast is a part of the Spark Initiative project at Mainz University and today's episode was delivered to you by Jack. Rachel and Aneta. Thank you.